first, just let me uh, let me add my. Hey, it's Father's Day, so this is cool. It's good to be a man, isn't it? <laughs> it really, it's good to be a man. I mean, there's a whole lot of benefits to being a guy. Yes, there's benefits to being a girl, but you know, there's benefits to being a guy too. You know, the top twelve reasons it's good to be a man. Want to hear them? Phone conversations are over in 30 seconds or less. Yeah! Okay. A five-day holiday requires only one suitcase. When clicking through the channels on the TV, you don't have to stall at every shot of somebody crying. Guys in hockey masks don't attack you unless you're playing hockey. You only need two or three pairs of shoes. Unless, of course, you're me. Unless, of course, you're me. I have at least four pairs of tennis shoes alone. Okay. Don't go to my closet. I'll be wrong. Car mechanics tell you the truth. Get this. I like this one. You can admire Clint Eastwood without starving yourself to look like him. Gray hair and wrinkles only add character to men. Yeah. We can do our nails during a traffic light. One traffic light. If another guy shows up at the party in the same outfit, you just might become lifelong buddies. The occasional well-rendered belch is practically expected. And guess what? We get to be dads. That's the best of all. And it's great to be a man. It's great to be a dad. I love being a dad. And... Uh, And I just want to take a moment and honor those, at least the ones that are left in the room right now that are dads. If you're a dad, would you just stand for a moment? Okay, Juan, you can't stand. I got that, but that's okay. We know that you are one. (laughs) Have you ever had any, um, any deep thoughts about rubber bands? Yes? Yeah. Yeah, when you think about it, rubber bands are kind of cool. Now, before you think that I've kind of lost it here, you know, let me explain what I mean. A rubber band is made for just one purpose, right? And that purpose is to be stretched so that it can hold something else together. Now, if it's not stretched, it's not really fulfilling its purpose at all, is it? Now, when you think about it, Christians are much like the rubber band. We were put on earth to be doers of God's word. To do that, we must stretch ourselves out of our everlasting comfort zones so that we can be effective in what we're called to do. One of the hardest things for us to do is to get out of our comfort zones, right? But to be effective for God, we got to be like a rubber band. We got to stretch. We got to go for it. We got to actually do it. Now, I've read the Bible through and through, and and I've never seen anywhere where it says that God wants us to be comfortable and cozy. Yeah, shucks. I've never read where God wants us to have it easy and smooth. Have you seen that in Scripture? In fact, I would say that the Bible actually has a lot to say about the fact that we will not be comfortable, that it won't be easy and smooth, that instead, there's going to be difficulty. And difficulty, not just because life is hard, which it is, we live in a fallen world. And the fallen world, it likes to kick our butt. 
But we have a remedy for that. We don't have to be people who snap when we're stretched because we have something that the world doesn't have and it makes a big difference. We have a comforter. We have someone that eases the stretching for us and that's the Holy Spirit. And we're, we're on this series of uh, what are the promises that we have given to us because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And one of those promises is the promise of comfort, of help when we need it. In John 16, verse 7, it says, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This is a promise for this life that we live right now, that we have help, that we have a comforter, that we have a counselor. Let's take a moment and pray because I want God to to help us see everything that he has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I just come before you now and, and I ask, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be in this place in such a tangible way right now that we can't miss his presence. Even as we we take a look into your word, Father, and we discover more of what the Holy Spirit is for us, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal yourself to us, that you would be the God of all comfort. But more than that, that you would be our helper, you would be our counselor, and that you would prove yourself to everyone sitting in this room that you're here for us all of the time. In Jesus' name, amen. In that passage I just read out of John chapter 16, it says that the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. The Greek word for helper there is parakletos. It's translated as comforter or counselor or helper, depending on which translation of the Bible you're reading, they're all actually accurate. It literally means to be an intercessor or a consoler in the Greek language. And it's about someone who comes alongside of another to assist them. The parakletos, para being like parallel, okay, two two lines side by side, okay? Para means to come alongside and to, to help is to lift up, actually. Kletos is to lift up And that's the idea, someone who comes alongside to lift you up, to counsel you, to help you, to comfort you. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is a comforter. He is a counselor. He is a helper. So which of those it is? Well, it's all of those. You can't really separate any of them. The context of the passage in which Jesus tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit is one of encouragement. Encouragement in the face of the worst circumstances they will ever face in their ministry life, maybe ever face in their life. Jesus is talking about his imminent death. I think Stacy read a little bit of uh, right before that, what happens right before that in John, what you were, John chapter 14? Yeah, John chapter 14. He's been building up from John chapter 14 all the way through John chapter 16 to talk to them about one thing, his death. That's what he's been doing. And, and, and in this passage here, he's telling them, don't worry about this. I've got this covered. In fact, this has to happen. If this doesn't happen, then I can't send the comforter. And you know what? He's way better at being with you than I will be. 
Here I only have this physical body, but he will go with you in you. That's the idea that he's trying to get across to his disciples because his disciples are going to face the low point of all low points in their lives, and they need to know that there's comfort, there's counsel, and there's help available. They need a really good counselor to walk with them through all that's going to happen and what will come after that, and they need plenty of help along the way. So let's look at what we're given by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take those three ideas that show up in different translations, the comforter, the helper, and the counselor. And just take a minute to look at those and what they mean. The Dick, Webster's Dictionary for us defines comforter basically in two ways. First, it's someone who gives strength and hope. And second, it's someone who eases grief or trouble. You know, there's an old saying, God comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Ever heard that one? God comforts the afflicted and he afflicts the comfortable. Basically, it means that when you're hurting, God in the form of the Holy Spirit comes alongside you to give hope, strength, and to ease your suffering. But when you're comfortable, the Holy Spirit is also the one who comes alongside you to move you out of your comfort zone and into a deeper intimacy and dependence on God. Listen, God loves to comfort hurting people. He grieves over every wound you receive, even the ones that are, as Joe said, self-inflicted. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There is a person that you and I can go to anytime we need comforting. All we have to do is ask. When Jesus was teaching his disciples about the heart of the Father, he said in Luke chapter eleven thirteen, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Think about that. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask, and we get more of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I wonder if we really think about what we're missing when we don't ask. In his book, The Sacred Romance, it was written by Brent Curtis and John Eldridge. Brent relates this story, this personal look into his own life. He says, if I'm not abiding in Jesus, then where is it that I abide? I had to ask myself this question. I began to notice that when I was tired or anxious, there were certain sentences that I would say in my head that led me to this familiar place. The journey to this place would often start with me walking around disturbed, feeling as if there was something deep inside that I needed to put into words, but I couldn't quite capture it. I felt the something as anxiety, loneliness, and a need for connection with someone. If no connection came, I would start to say things like, life really stinks. Why is it always so hard? It's never going to change. If no one noticed I was struggling or asked me what was wrong, I found my sentences then shifting to a more cynical level. Who cares? Life's a joke. Surprisingly, by the time I was saying those last sentences, I was actually feeling better. The anxiety was greatly diminished. How did that work? My comforter, my abiding place, was cynicism 
and rebellion. From this abiding place, I would feel free to use some soul cocaine, watching a violent video, having more alcohol with a meal than I would normally drink, things that would allow me to feel better for a little while. I had always thought of these things as just bad habits. I began to see they were much more than that. They were spiritual abiding places that were my comforters and friends in a very spiritual way. The final light went on for me one evening when I read John 15:7 from the Message Bible by Eugene Peterson. He translates Jesus' words on abiding in this way. If you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. Jesus was, Jesus was saying in answer to my question, I have made my home in you, Brent, but you still have other comforters you go to. You must learn to make your home in me. Think about that. Yeah, that's wow. I think there's a good question in there for all of us. What comforters are you taking refuge in rather than finding comfort in the one that resides within you? Or maybe we should ask also, who are you running to when you hurt, when you're discouraged, when you're feeling lonely, afraid, or stressed out? You see, that's another one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. He's to be our counselor, the one that we run to, not just for, for comfort, but for guidance, for, for counsel. There are several meanings to the word counselor. I'm only going to deal with just one. To counsel is to come alongside of a person to help and to advise them. This is one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like a marriage counselor who helps us to see from another perspective so we can get along better with our spouse, the Holy Spirit helps us to see from God's perspective. Sometimes that's all we need. We just need a different perspective. Like the husband who was told by the marriage counselor to try to be more considerate of his wife. One day he comes home from work. He's dressed in a suit. He has cologne on. He has a bouquet of flowers and a box of candy in his hands. He rings the doorbell, and he stands there as she opens the door and holds out flowers and a box of candy. He's wanting to surprise her. The wife opens the door, takes one look at him standing there, and starts crying. In between her sobs, she says, oh, I can't believe it. Little Johnny has been throwing up. The dishwasher just broke. Your parents are coming this weekend, and to top it all off, you come home drunk. You got to give the man a little credit for trying. He just kind of missed his wife's perspective in that moment. A counselor is somebody who gives advice, helps us to see through different eyes. They come alongside of someone who needs guidance and help them to navigate all of life's ups and downs and twists and turns. I think there is a need for family and life counselors, but I have to admit that the multi-billion dollar counseling industry in America is frightening to me. We are so, so passionate about our comfort that anything that threatens to send us over the edge to challenge us out of our comfort zone sends us running to a therapist for help. It's scary. Folks, 
Let me ask you again. Who are you running to? Most of the time, the best place to start is the counselor inside of you. Bringing other people into your issue may only create more issues. Sit down. Have a heart-to-heart with God first. Then, if you need some help, seek out godly counsel. And just a word of advice for this. Make sure if you're going to ask someone for advice that it's someone who will take your issue to the Holy Spirit before they answer you. That's so important. You have to understand, the best counselor that you can have ever is the one who resides within you. Step back in the Spirit and ask God, what do I need to do? And by the way, when it comes to counseling and and talking to the Holy Spirit, there's a question that is illegal and off-limits, okay? I know you're not going to like this. The why question. Never go with the why question. You don't have God's perspective in all that God knows. Isaiah 55 tells us that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. There are going to be things we don't know. We don't know why bad things happen to good people all of the time. But this much I do know. We live in a fallen world and we can expect bad things to happen to good people all of the time. Asking why isn't going to get answered. What we need to ask when we go to the Holy Spirit is, this has happened, what do I do with it? The what question, he loves the what question. He will always give direction to the what question. What do I do with this? What would you have me do, God, with whatever has just happened in my life? That's the best question you can go to God with. What? What needs to change in me? What do I need to do? What eyes do I need to look through in order to understand this better, in order to get your perspective? The what question is a good question. You will always find help when it comes to the what question. He will be a counselor. He will be a comforter. But he will also be a helper. Now, a helper, according to Webster's, is someone who comes alongside to assist someone else. I found it very interesting. The first definition in Webster's of a helper is an untrained laborer, somebody that you would hire to help you, to assist you, somebody who isn't as trained as perhaps you are in something. That's not really true of the Holy Spirit. He's got way more training than I do, and he does his job way better than I do. By the way, don't ever get involved in doing the Holy Spirit's job. It's just not a safe place to go. But he also brings himself to us as an assistant, as a helper. You know, I'm a contractor, and for the most part, I work alone. It's not a bad thing, but there are times when I need help. And there are a lot of times I wish I had help, if for no other reason than having another person makes the day go much, much faster. The cool thing about the Holy Spirit is that, quote, he is always there. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He is always capable of making my day go faster. And if I will focus on him, if I will lean into him for my day, my day goes by pretty quick, and I am far more productive in it. The definition of a helper is one who assists. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us in regards to this life. He walks with us when we can't 
run anymore. He even leads us when we don't know which way to go. These are the roles of the Holy Spirit in regard to comfort, counseling, and helping. And I realize that though some of this sounds a little cerebral, conceptual, and not all that practical, there is a practical side to this. So I have something for you to take away from today. When we talk about the promises that are ours through the Holy Spirit, especially the promise of a comforter, we tend to think, wow, I just need more of the Holy Spirit. I need that power. I need that comfort. I just need more. Like James Montgomery Boyce says in his systematic theology book, Foundations of the Christian Faith, if we think of the Holy Spirit as a mysterious power, then our thoughts will be, how can I get more of that power? How can I get more of that Holy Spirit? If we think of the Holy Spirit, however, as a person, then we ask, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? The first thought is non-biblical. It's actually pagan. But the second thought is New Testament Christianity. Reuben Torrey, an American evangelist and writer, uh, about 100 years before I did. In fact, he was born in 1856, 100 years before me. He says this, the conception of the Holy Spirit as a divine influence of power that we're supposed to somehow get a hold of and use leads to self-exaltation and self-sufficiency. So who, one who, who thinks that the Holy Spirit in that way and at the same time imagines that he's received the Holy Spirit will almost inevitably be full of spiritual pride and strut about as if he belonged to some superior order of Christians. However, if we grasp the thought that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty and glory and holiness and power, who in marvelous condescension has come into our hearts and makes his abode there to take possession of our lives and to make use of them, it will push us into the dust and it will keep us in the dust, humbled before him. I can think of no thought more humbling or more overwhelming than the thought that a person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me. Going to the Holy Spirit just to tap in to the power that's available there for you isn't an idea that we should propagate in the church going to the Holy Spirit to surrender yourself to him is really the better way to go because all the power that the Holy Spirit wields for our life is available as we surrender. Understand this. You've been gifted by the Holy, you've been gifted the Holy Spirit by Father God through Jesus the Son. Jesus said if he didn't go away in that passage, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. We've been gifted the Holy Spirit by Father God through the Son but it's not the gift of power to be wielded like the force in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit's a person, a real person. He is God and he is in you if you are in Christ. Because he is a person and not just a power, our prayer shouldn't be, Father, give me more of the Holy Spirit. It should be, Father, I give myself more to the Holy Spirit. All the power for miracles, signs, and wonders flows out of our relationship with the person 
of the Holy Spirit. It is out of our intimacy with God that God's will is brought manifest from heaven down to earth. Listen, listen, you can't handle spiritual power without intimacy with the Holy Spirit because spiritual power attracts the enemy like nothing else. You start wielding the power of God without intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the enemy's going to come along and whack you so hard you won't know what hits you until you're in Tuesday of next week. You have to have the intimacy with the Holy Spirit to handle what he gives you in the way of power. We need intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Because to live as Jesus lived, to live joyful, peaceful, and powerful, like one of our declarations says, means we need a comforter, a helper, a counselor. Why? Because as we wield the power of God placed in us by the Holy Spirit, we're going to get attacked by the enemy. Satan will not let such a challenge to his dominion in this fallen world go unanswered. When the enemy returns fire, you're going to need a comforter to keep you in your peace. We're going to need helper to provide a defense, and we're going to need a counselor to keep us on track with our mission. All those things are provided by a person, not a power, but a person. You know, something I've learned in my walk with the Holy Spirit, there is a big, big difference between being comforted and being comfortable. Understand that? There is a big difference between being comforted and being comfortable. The Holy Spirit is all about being our comforter. When we're hurting, it's the Holy Spirit that comes alongside us and brings us comfort. But he's not all that interested in your comfort. I know that sounds weird. It sounds like double talk. It's not. Walking this life of faith is going to bring trouble to bear on your life. Jesus said, remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. And in John 16, just a few verses after our passage this morning, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Folks, this is why we need a comforter. This is why we need the person of the Holy Spirit. Bad things happen. I love the way they say it in Africa. Shida happens. Shida is, is bad things, Okay. It's trouble, okay? That's what it means. Sheeta means trouble. Trouble happens. Sheeta happens. Sounds interesting. I need a bumper sticker that says Sheeta happens. <laughs> without God's comfort, folks, without the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, I would be a mean, vindictive, bitter old man that only ever thinks about getting back at the people who have hurt me. You know anybody like that? I know a few. I wouldn't think about comforting others because I wouldn't have been comforted. I wouldn't understand what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that ourselves, we ourselves have received from God. Let's face it. I wouldn't be able to comfort anybody because of the comfort I've received, now I have something to offer. But on my own, I wouldn't have been there. 
wouldn't have been able to do it. I have the great awesome promises of God as well to bring encouragement, hope, and comfort to another person. Without that, what could I offer them? As a comforter, as a counselor, what would I have to offer them? Look inside. Maybe you can fix yourself. Maybe your own power. You know what? That's pretty much secular psychology. Be your own God. Fix yourself. Here, I have identified your problem. This is why this happened to you. This is why you're having a problem. Get over yourself. That's secular psychology. God brings a different psychology. He says, here, I know what happened to you. It breaks my heart. Let me, let me enfold you with my arms. Let me comfort you. And then let me tell, tell you how to walk out of this. Because you can do that if you walk with me. Jesus made it very clear. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and light. He intends to walk us through, to walk us out. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. By the way, when I use Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit interchangeably, it's because they can't be separated. Jesus dwells in my heart. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in there. I have God in my life, Father God in my life. Why? Because Jesus is in there and the Holy Spirit's in there. You can't separate them. But the act of the, of the indwelling is something the Bible tells us that it's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He represents the Trinity in us. We pray for God to take us out of our uncomfortable situations. There's a big difference between being comforted and being comfortable. I think too many believers today are looking to God to make their lives comfortable. We pray for God to remove us from jobs where there are hard people we have to work with so that we can be more comfortable. Folks, the Holy Spirit is not there to remove the issue, but to bring comfort in the midst of the storm. We should be asking the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place of peace and rest within the storm. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the disciples trying to cross the lake, and a storm has arisen, and they're panicking. They think they're going to die, okay? They're just, and, and, and they get mad at Jesus, He's up in the front of the boat, and he's just sacked out sleeping. I, I kind of I wonder if he was really sleeping. You know, I love the way Graham Cook looks at that. He says, I, Graham Cook says, I think maybe he was kind of watching him out of one eye and saying, Father God, make it really bad. Really shock him, Father God. They wake Jesus up, and they're in a panic. Don't you even care about us? We're all going to die. You know what? I think there's, there's some faith in that. Uh, amazingly enough, there's faith in that. They had the faith enough to, to wake him up because they knew they were going to die without him. If he slept through this, they were, they were toast. That's a little bit of faith. Not much. But you know what? It only takes a mustard seed to move a mountain. So it's a little bit of faith. And Jesus stands up and he just speaks. Peace, peace be still. And boom, it's like glass on the sea. And you imagine what was running through the disciples' minds at that point? I think that's pretty amazing. It's like, whoa, okay. What they don't know at that point, what they didn't realize at that point, was that Jesus was walking through that whole situation with him, literally riding in the boat with them through that whole situation. And nothing really could have befallen them that he didn't already determine. 
We need to stop asking God to remove us from the hard things so that we can be comfortable. Instead, we need to start asking the Holy Spirit to comfort us in those hard things, to walk with us through them. One of my favorite prayers that I've decided that I have to stop praying is for God to fix other people that are making my life somehow more difficult. How many of you pray those prayers every once in a while? Oh, come on, be honest. Okay. One of my favorite things, God, fix that person. They're not making my life much fun right now. It's kind of uncomfortable. Why don't you make that other driver just, you know, like pay more attention, Father? Why can't you make so-and-so a little more patient, Father? Father, would you make him or her less grumpy? It's really getting into my day here. When we should be asking the Holy Spirit to change me into a more joyful, more gracious, more loving person, let me ask you a question. Who here is going through something hard, something uncomfortable in your life? (laughs) I thought it would be all of you, but that's close enough, okay? I tell you what, if you're not going through something hard and uncomfortable in your life this week, talk to me next week, okay? Something will come up, I promise. That's the way life works in a fallen world, okay? You're going to need a comforter, a helper, a counselor. There's another thing I'm learning. We're always asking God to bind spirits of this or that, to bind the enemy, Lord, build a hedge of protection around so-and-so, Lord. Now you listen here, you spirit of depression. You pack your bags, you hit the road, Jack. And don't come back. I like that song. Does any of that sound familiar to you? We like our comfort, don't we? We don't like things that make us uncomfortable. Sometimes I think that from the cradle to the grave is nothing more than a search and a striving for comfort. It seems especially true for us in this American culture. Our culture is comfort-driven. We have even invented a new cuisine to go along with our striving for comfort. It's called comfort food. Ever heard of it? I watch the Food Channel. They talk about it a lot. We're so obsessed with our comfort that we have food to help us feel comfortable. Listen, God never promised anyone a comfortable life. He promised the opposite, actually. But he did promise to comfort us in life. Did you know that the enemy is God's little whipping boy? We have this wrong picture of the enemy. We just think that he's got all this power and he can just beat us up and do whatever he wants. You know, the enemy is God's little whipping boy. Do you think, I love this, we just, I heard a preacher talking about this the other day. Do you think that the Israelites would have crossed the Red Sea when the waters parted if Pharaoh's armies weren't right behind them? Think about that. What would you do if you walked up to the river, okay, and I parted the waters for you, and here's the water standing like 40 feet high on either side, and there's a couple miles to get across the river. How would you feel about going in, okay, at that point? 
Probably not my first choice. But the enemy's right on my heels. In order to get them from one side to the other side and to display his power in their lives, God needed an enemy to push them, prod them, move them towards the promised land. You think about that. I think that's kind of interesting. God takes the enemy's efforts to make your life uncomfortable, and he uses them to grow you in his comfort so that you can walk with him right through the midst of the storm. Some of you are here today because you went through something really hard in your life, and the only place that you found comfort and strength to carry on was in Christ. Those hard circumstances in your life were just like Pharaoh's armies nipping at your heels to move you toward the God of all comfort. So what I want you to think about, I want you to think about this promise of comfort this week. Every time that the enemy threatens to steal your peace, to make you uncomfortable, I want you to think about this promise of peace this week. What the enemy is really doing, he's providing a pathway for you to come to God and a straight road to his own demise if you'll go there, if you'll go to God, if you'll go to the one who comforts you. You'll leave him standing in the middle of the Red Sea and God will just let the waters go. And like Pharaoh's army, the enemy will be defeated. Your peace, patience, and rest, folks, are weapons against what the enemy wants to do to your life. So let me bring this down to maybe something that would be really practical for us as a people on a corporate level, not just on a personal level. Because on a personal level, I want you to go home and think about these things. Because when the hard things come, and some of you are already walking in them, okay, when the hard things come, you have a resource. You have a place to go for comfort. And the enemy is defeated when you do. On the corporate level, we as a body of Christ, let me suggest this. We've been praying for quite some time now for God to provide a building that we could use full-time for ministry. This setting up and tearing down every Sunday, it's a lot of work, isn't it? For those of you that are involved in it every Sunday, it's a lot of work. Having to do all your, your weekday ministries off-site somewhere else, somebody else's home, that's not always comfortable. That's not always convenient. And hey, we know how God is interested in my comfort. Well, okay, maybe not. But maybe God is more interested in our journey towards intimacy than he is our geography. Think about that. God is more interested in my journey toward intimacy with him than he is with my geography. Now, I believe that we're going to have a building. I believe that we're going to have a building the minute that God says we're going to have a building. In the meantime, however, the journey is about walking in peace, faith, and rest, growing right where we're planted into a deeper intimacy with the Holy Spirit who is our comforter, who is our helper, who is our counselor. Maybe the only thing, folks, holding us back or standing in the way of us getting a building right now is our lack of contentment in what we've already been given, what was already been provided by God. You will never convince me that this isn't the place we're supposed to be. It happened just 
too much of a miracle. Too much of a miracle. God provided this place. And maybe we need to get happy right here. Can you do that? Can we get happy right here? Because if we're happy right here, I don't know, you know, but maybe God will provide a place for us that would be more permanent, more useful during the week if we're happy with what he's already provided. I'll never forget my, my wife wasn't very content in the first house that we bought, and I couldn't blame her very much. It was a fixer-upper. It was always under construction, and me being in construction, it was like the cobbler's kids who uh, didn't have shoes for their feet, you know? Uh, not all things got done all the time, or necessarily any time. Um, but she was, she was there, you know, and, and you know, committed. The cockroaches, we had a cockroach problem in the neighborhood, and, you know, even when we'd kill them in our house, you'd, you'd bomb the house, you know? They'd all run outside, and they'd go across the street to our neighbors. We know that because our neighbors would tell us when we bombed our house. Oh, all the cockroaches showed up at our house today, kind of thing. You must have done something. You know what? I'd go out at night, and you'd see them crossing the road. <laughs> Kid you not. It was that weird kind of thing. You could watch them crossing the road. Just go out there and <clears throat> step on them. <laughs> we'd get home early from inviting people home, and we'd get in the house before they could, turn the lights on so they'd all... <clears throat> yeah. well, smack them. well, that too. And if it wasn't the cockroaches, it was the mice. I don't know if you, we had, a, we had a couple over one night and a mouse decided to run right across the floor. I just lift up my boot and went, <laughs> got him, <laughs> amazingly enough. Don't know how I did that, but I got him. It was one of those kind of things, you know, and it wasn't the most comfortable place in the world. It wasn't the best neighborhood kind of thing. We had cop chases down our streets on a fairly regular basis, you know. It was always funny because, you know, the perps, whoever they were, would run down the street or drive down the street or ride their motorcycles down the street, not realizing it was a dead end. It's like, oh, you were, that was just foolish. But it just wasn't the best neighborhood in the world kind of thing. Crack house across the street, yeah. Had a, a, a Volkswagen blow up right across the street from us. <laughs> Whatever kind of thing. It, was one of those, it, wasn't, it wasn't the most comfortable place in the world, I have to admit. But you know what? As soon as she gave that over to God and got comfortable with that place. And this is where God has us. This is where we're raising our kids kind of thing. God moved us. <laughs> Eight years it took. <laughs> and, and at that point, she didn't want to move. But, um, you know, there is something to that idea. If we will get happy right where we're at, folks, I believe that maybe God will move us to a place where we can do more. Not because he's interested in our comfort, but because he's interested in his kingdom through us. So, do this for me this week. Every time you come across something difficult, something hard, and even if you're walking in that something difficult, something hard right now, step back in the Holy Spirit and ask the what question, okay? Step back in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with this? What eyes do you want me to see this situation through? What in my life do you want to change, grow me in? Because as we grow and as we change and as we become more and more intimate with the Holy Spirit, we'll be surprised that those hard things suddenly become the jewels in your life that lead you into a greater relationship with Jesus and into more of the promises of God. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are our comforter. You are our helper. You are the one who counsels us. You're the one that walks us through this life. You never leave. You never forsake. You can't. You're in us, and you're in us to stay. We've been sealed with you, Holy Spirit, and you will be there through the thick and the thin of it all. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you that that is truth that I can hold on to no matter how bad it might get at any given time in my life. I can hold on to that truth. I can know that truth, and that truth can set me free. It's not that the world can't hurt me. I know that. I get that, Father. I don't have a right not to be hurt, but I do have a right to be healed, comforted, helped, and counseled. I get that, and I'm grateful for it. Help us see that as as the hard things happen. Teach us how to step back into your spirit, Holy Spirit, and just rest and abide there because that is the place of our greatest comfort and help, of our greatest counsel. In Jesus' name, amen.